Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Mon will run the option on second down. Mon keeps it. First down and more. Running away from Cowboy defenders. Kevin Mond is in the clear and in the end zone. 67 breathtaking yards. And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. This is the Hurry Up Hot Seat Countdown, counting down the top 25 teams in the CBS Sports 2020 preseason rankings with the authors of those previews that you can find on CBSSports.com. We have reached the point in our uh, in, in our countdown where we get to one of our annual dark horses. Every year, it's dark horsey all around Texas A&M. They check in at you- number 14 in our rankings. David Cobb, uh, you are the man who is being called to the – there it is. You're the man who's been called to the stand uh, to talk Texas A&M. Uh, let's begin with Jimbo Fisher because the when we when Jimbo Fisher was hired, the price tag was enormous and it drew a lot of attention. And we've got Kyle Field renovations. So before we get into the specifics of the 2020 team, let's start big. Where is your confidence that by the end of Jimbo Fisher's first contract, Texas A&M fans will look back and say it was worth it? Yeah. Well, I think the chances are good. I mean, one, you look, and now that he's had two full recruiting cycles to really dig in, those classes rank fourth and sixth nationally. And uh, I, I think there's a really good chance that this program wins 10 games this season. And, and the remarkable thing, digging back into Texas A&M over the last couple of days, uh, they won 11 games in 2012 with Johnny Manziel. That is their only double-digit win total since 1998. That blew my mind. It blew me away because, I mean, for a lot of that time, they were still in the Big 12, and they still were not getting uh, to that double-digit win total, uh, even in a, in a league that was uh, less brutal than the SEC. So, uh, I mean, I know the expectations are sky high, uh, but I, I really believe and I know that, that a lot of college football fans will roll their eyes because, as you mentioned, Chip, they are a perennial dark horse, but – I really believe that they are on the cusp of really turning the corner this year and escaping from that island they've been living on in the middle of the SEC West. Okay, so then tell me why. Because there's obviously the lack of schedule hurdles that it had last year. It's just a friendlier schedule. Um, They return on paper. They return whatever it is, 19 starters. I don't know what the count is, but it's a lot. Can you tell me the, the specific reasons that you are excited or optimistic that this is actually the real Dark Horse team that everyone's been talking about them as the next, last decade to be? Yeah, well, you hit on one of the major things, uh, one of the major factors uh, of why I believe that. 
it's that the schedule is much friendlier this season. You know, people look at Jimbo's first two years at Texas A&M and they see nine wins in year one and eight wins in year two. And they say, what the heck? Why, why is this guy the fourth highest paid coach in, in college football? Well, one thing that you have to consider is that going into last season, they were losing seven NFL draft picks. And they played three teams that at the time of the game were number one in the country. And all three went on to participate in the college football playoff. Uh, so when you're dealing with a young team and you're playing a schedule that brutal, uh, you know, it, it's just going to be tough. Now, this year, uh, stay in big picture before we even dive into Texas A&M's roster. Uh, and even the schedule, for that matter, just look at the, at the rest of the division. I mean... The three teams below them in the pecking order, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, all breaking in first-year coaches, which, as we've discussed on these podcasts, is going to be especially difficult given the reduced practice time that we're likely looking at entering this season. And then the, the three teams above them, uh, Auburn, Alabama, and LSU in the, in the SEC West pecking order, are all replacing a lot. Now, we know that Alabama can do that and, and not miss a beat. Uh, but but LSU, I mean, even after a national title, the, you just can't overlook how much they're replacing. And so, I mean, Texas A&M's close to Auburn. They have been for a while. Auburn's kind of uh, edged them out and and been that third place team in the division more often than not. Uh, but but the Tigers are replacing a lot too, the Auburn Tigers. So uh, I just think when you look at it big picture, without even diving into a favorable schedule and all the returning starters and all that. Um, the division sets up favorably for Texas A&M to finally make a move. Yeah, but Kellen Mond though, right? Like the but Kellen Mond though, because he is not included in the conversations for best quarterback in the SEC uh, going into the season. You know, you're you're looking at Kellen Mond, and he probably, in terms of the way that you would rank it up, the the negatives of Kellen Mond weigh down what the ceiling has been. And in flashes and in bursts, he has looked like he could be one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC or the best quarterback in the SEC. It, like, do you just sort of give experience points? Do you give, well, he's got to be taking a step forward. He's got to be limiting his mistakes. You know, how, how do you rate him and in terms of his responsibility and, and how much hinges on him to be able to capitalize on that potential? Yeah, I think you spelled it out. I mean, there's just going to be a natural progression there. One, uh, the offensive line returns four starters, three of whom are seniors, and, and the four between them have close something close to 100 career starts. And I think that'll be one of the better offensive lines in the SEC. So right then and there, you got a quarterback who's going to have plenty of time to throw, plenty of time to make decisions. And then I think last year, you guys got to remember, they lost Sean Corbin uh, in the second game of the season and had a, a real dearth there at running back that obviously Isaiah Spiller set, stepped up and, and played well as a freshman. But I think Mond probably felt a lot of expectations and a lot of pressure on his shoulders um and then the defense was um good but not great and they didn't get a lot of big plays from the defense and so you know mond probably felt like he had to be the superhero a little bit but but he's a senior he's been productive he's made some mistakes but uh it's his third year now in this system with a veteran offensive line a pretty solid group of playmakers around him um you know i think that this could be a, a really solid senior season for him i believe that all right, I asked you why this is a year A&M is, is actually has the breakthrough 
and you rattled off a whole laundry list of reasons why the teams they're playing aren't going to be all that great. Chip just asked you about Kellen Mond. But isn't this a, like a, a perfect example of how a team can disappoint us if all we're doing is just looking at their schedule and saying, well, this is the year, the schedule works. Like, why should I be actually excited about A&M, their roster and their team? Yeah, like, I mean, it's been seven years in a row that they've finished with between seven and nine wins. I mean, that's just, I mean, I get it. I get the, the skepticism. I get the hesitation to buy in on this. Um, and, and sure, you know, they could get surprised by a, uh, a Mississippi State or a South Carolina and uh, sort of stumble into a difficult back half of the schedule. Uh, but the reason why I think this team is, is going to be better is because I think that the defense is, is going to be better. Yes, they lose Justin Matabuki, who was a hoss in the middle, a third-round draft pick, uh, at a defensive tackle. But uh, they, they bring something like eight starters back on defense, and Mike Elko's gotten that unit better each year. And so uh, the, 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 the problem with the defense uh, last year is that, you know, they were, they were fine in terms of total defense. You know, most metrics had them somewhere in the 30s nationally in terms of defense. Uh, but they only recovered four fumbles all season, and then they were somewhere around 60th in the country in terms of, of interceptions and sacks. So while, while their total defense was fine, the defense didn't really make a lot of plays. And you can say, well, that's skewed because they, you know, just got throttled by Alabama and LSU. But I'm talking about some other games that they could have won uh, where, you know, the, if the defense makes a play or two, gets a turnover, um, you know, it's a totally different ball game. And so I think that the defense uh, with, with some of these prospects that Jimbo has brought in over the last couple of years, kind of ready to step in, uh, will be a more opportunistic defense, will be – better equipped to make plays that actually impact the game rather than being this just sort of run-of-the-mill bend-but-don't-break operation. I heard the magic words, Mike Elko. I think that means that I get slimed in my chair. <laughs> that was that was the secret phrase that we always want to hear for uh, for Texas A&M and, and belief in the Aggies. All right, so you said uh, 10 wins. Is that like a 9-3 and three with a bowl, or do you look at the schedule and do you see 10-2? and two? Man, I think they could sleepwalk to nine wins. I wow. mean, look, uh, I, I've got four games for this preview penciled in as key games. Those games are South Carolina, uh, Alabama, LSU, and, and, and Auburn. And so, I mean, that South Carolina game, they've, they've beaten South Carolina six times in a row since the Gamecocks became their, their cross-division rival. Uh, let me just go through it real quick. Abilene Christian, okay, win. North Texas, win. Colorado, win. Arkansas, win. Mississippi State, on the road, but a win. Uh, Fresno State, they've been okay under Jeff Tedford, but they were down last year. I think that's a win. Uh, okay, there, that's one, two, three, four, five, six. Six and oh, heading to Auburn. Uh, you know, so let's, let's say they lose to Auburn, six and one. South Carolina, uh, they're going to keep that winning streak alive. Seven and one, Ole Miss at home, that's a win. Eight and one, Vanderbilt win. Nine and one, so they're nine and one going uh, to Alabama and then hosting LSU the last two weeks of the season. Um, yeah, I mean, who's to say that they that they won't you know spring an upset on one of those two teams? I mean, that's probably what it would come down to. I mean, they're going to have to upset or beat one of the group of Auburn, Alabama, and LSU, and they have not fared well against those three teams. I mean, 
there's just no hiding the fact that when when they burst onto the SEC scene in 2012 and Johnny Manziel was dancing around defenses and they won the Heisman Trophy, you thought, oh my gosh, these guys are day one competitors in the toughest division in college football. That has not been the case. But because of everything that those top teams replace and because of everything Texas A&M brings back and sort of the incremental improvement, which I know is not hot, but it's, it's, it's true with this Texas A&M team and everything they bring back, I think they're positioned to, to do it. I think they're positioned to beat one of those three teams, if not two of them, this season and uh, be a 10-win regular season team. Barton, do you have any further questions? I don't think so. Yeah. I convinced him. Yeah, I think – I mean, that's uh, – Sold. Yeah, that's this – is, this is it. I mean, I, I am ready to be betting against a 9-1 and Texas A&M team down the stretch. Looking forward to yeah. it. I've got my short position weeks, in the market. Those last two weeks of this season could be really exciting because, I mean, they go, they go to Alabama in the next to last week, and then they host LSU in the final week. And, uh, of course, you know, the last week of the season is, is also the Iron Bowl. So there could be some serious SEC West title implications at stake, you know, over the last few weeks of the regular season. He is David Cobb. You can read his story on Texas A&M on CBSSports.com. It is up right now. David, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy.